0: Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is a man who is prone to utter the words, say it ain't so, I will not go, turn the lights off, and carry me home. Here's the man with all the small things, and my co-host from the left coast, here's Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. How are you? So for this episode, we have a special guest. He plays guitar, provides some vocals, does some bass, does some keyboards for the band Yumi Zuma. Their most recent record is called Truth or Consequences. Please welcome to the podcast from Yumi Zuma, Josh Burgess.
1: Kia ora, and I am
0: feeling this, to so keep on with your uh, <laughs> punnery. Be- beautiful, beautiful. So I, the air is so cold and low. <laughs> you guys true. were supposed to come in with "I'm feeling it."
1: Yeah, you know, yeah. like that's the thing with Blink One Eighty Two, isn't it? It's like there are certain places where shouting the call and responses feels so good, um, <laughs> and we need to ease into it. But I'm sure by the yeah. end of it, you will hear my uh, horrific American accent uh, trying to be timed along. So let's let's go full barrel. Let's go full barrel.
0: We, we can, we'll, we'll definitely do that. We'll do some call and response here uh, here later. Let's get warmed up first. All right. So uh, premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each podcast episode, I ask the all-important question. Let's start with Josh. Josh, what t-shirt are you wearing? T-shirt I'm wearing
1: today is a uh, memorial t-shirt for the People's Princess, aka just Diana, Prince of Wales. Um, it's an original 90s shirt that uh, my girlfriend owned one, and it totally died due to, like, some bad dry cleaning. So we found another one on eBay. Uh, shout out to the People's Princess. It says, Born a Princess, Died a Saint. 1961 to 1997.
0: Nice. Perfect. I just finished I just finished watching The Crown ep- or, uh, series series season three season three um and uh they haven't quite got to to lady die but that's coming in season four because uh camilla camilla just got married and charles is heartbroken
1: it's it's gonna happen
0: uh, you know it's, it's
1: i've been holding out for that series of the crown
0: right yeah me too because season three kind of sucked
1: yeah you there know I, like I, it's one of those shows that I got so weirded out by the premise that the actors change every season that I just was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It was just too much for me to comprehend. By the time I put Netflix on at the end of the night, I'm looking for something that doesn't confuse me as much as that. But, you know, other people love it. (laughs) It's their prerogative. I'm going to throw it straight over to Wayne, not to steal your thunder, but Wayne, what T-shirt are you wearing? Are you wearing a T-shirt?
2: I am wearing a shirt. I'm wearing a shirt. For a band that I think is probably as important for Blink One Eighty Two getting famous, and that's I'm wearing my uh Green Day Dookie album cover t-shirt.
0: Yes, you are. All right, perfect. And I'm wearing uh absolutely nothing related to this record or to Yumi Zuma. So I'm I'm wearing my Prince Purple Rain shirt again.
1: But you are wearing a Prince shirt. I'm wearing a princess shirt.
0: Um, there you go. There you go. go. Yeah. There's the connection. The There's list. the connection. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: uh, speaking of Green Day, today I watched on YouTube um, Billy Joe Armstrong's been doing all these weird covers with like his two kids who look like twenty six or something. So I don't know how that stacks up, but like he's <laughs> like rocking it, and his like sons are drumming and playing bass. Wouldn't recommend it personally, but if it came up on your YouTube, um, you know, algorithm, give it a crack.
0: There I you see. go. What what song did he did he spin today?
1: Uh today he was doing I think we're alone now. Doesn't oh, seem okay.
0: yeah. Did did he go Tommy James or did he go Tiffany version?
1: Uh you know, he went Billy Joe Armstrong version because uh, okay. this might be a bit right. of a deep reference, but he's no Justin Bieber. <laughs> I don't know if you saw him have a meltdown at like some like radio
0: No, I didn't. I didn't.
1: Is is it, I mean, you know, he did end up going to rehab afterwards, so I don't want to make light of that by, you know, any light of the imagination. But he has this absolute meltdown because he's like playing along, and then there's this big, like, screen at the back that's like counting down 30 seconds and like flashing red. He's like, 30 seconds. And he, he goes, I've been around since 1982, which is always a great thing to, you know,
0: throw in there. But, you know. Sure interesting interesting all right well um josh i feel like i've already asked all my Yumi yumi zuma questions to to charlie already uh, you know about how i discovered your band how i love the font that you guys used on the truth or consequences record packaging and we talked about some of the records or some of the songs on your record I, i'm thinking maybe we should just talk about charlie or something
1: yeah i mean like why don't we just talk about Blink-182 because that's, you know, I feel like that is more relevant to my life, Blink-182, than Yumi Zuma, you know? (laughs) (laughs) No, but, you know, I can appreciate that. You've already had Charlie on the show. I listened to that. Um, Thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: So I I need your opinion on something that he brought up that that me and my guest co-host were like, what? Really? Oh okay. So his moving around of songs on the records to create his own sequencing. To kind of create his own records. So does he have a heavy hand in the sequencing of Yumizuma records?
1: Yeah, he definitely does. Charlie's like total freak like that. Like he <laughs> he had this really insane stage with his iTunes where like he got down to like four genres or something. There was like okay. Anglo pop which was like white people (laughs) pop music. There was like, (laughs) I can't remember what they were, but it was just like, it was just this constant, you know, um, rearranging of his iTunes. And yeah, he would make these like, he would make greatest hits that he was like, this should have been the album. I'm like, yeah, but that's like 10 years, a span of 10 years and you've just turned it into one record. But to answer your question, um, yeah, you know, like with sequencing, I'm sort of like a bit perplexed by sequencing sometimes because like, like Charlie, I feel like I just want to change it after the fact, so yeah, I just let him do it, you know i, I sometimes sometimes I'll just be like, maybe we should put that there just to sort of seem like I'm paying attention, but you know as as the member of the group with a d h d you know you got me for like fifteen minutes, and
0: right, you know, right
1: sequencing not my jam,
0: yeah. I I, so just just to mess with with Charlie, hopefully he listens to this episode. So I'm gonna go on record saying that Magazine Bay should have been the opening track on side B.
1: Damn, yeah, Uh, you know, and that's like a that's kind of like I like that you said on side B because I like the idea of vinyl, I never listen to it. I'm staring at like 200 records that my girlfriend and I have in our apartment, and you know, we do put them on, on occasion. But um, yeah, the A and the B sort of duality uh, is a lot more pronounced on a vinyl record. So I appreciate the consideration. Unfortunately, unless you own a lathe and a pressing plant, you're not going to get that (laughs) as the first track.
0: Nope. Nope. that i don't like cool for a second that's a that's a great opener for for a side as well but yeah for for a side b um yeah that guitar riff should have been should have been in there i'm with you let's bring it up with charlie love the guitar riff it's great yeah so so we talked to charlie so he he now lives in london so when did you move to new york like uh, what drew you away from new zealand
1: two key things Okay. first one was um, I got dumped really badly. I'm about like 21 or something. Um, and I was like, I'm out. And then there were these massive earthquakes in Christchurch where uh. I was living. Uh, so like the whole city kind of got totally messed up. And I was like, I got to bounce. I was like, I'm going to go to London. And my mum was like, you hate London. <laughs> Every time we go there, you complain about this. was <laughs> I, I'm, I really like London now. But at the time, I was like, you're right. Um, so yeah, I just picked on New York. And I kind of didn't know anyone, didn't know anything really about New York. Charlie and I had been here maybe once or twice playing in another band when we were super young. Um, But yeah, this is how little I knew about it. I didn't understand that New York got super hot. So I turned up like the beginning of August and was like, what the hell is this? This is insane. Do you know what I mean? Like New York in the summer is like...
0: Oh, it's... It's it's gnarly, yeah. I used to get, travel up to New York for business, uh, previous job, and I was up there six, seven, eight times a year, and uh, yeah, it it gets uh, it gets unbearable because there's no grass, there's no trees. It's just
1: and it doesn't cool down at night
0: either. No, I
1: mean when you think about it, there's no plausible reason why you would live in New York, but for some reason, a lot of us do, and that's yeah. where we are. But yeah, I moved here in 2012. And what part? Uh, North Brooklyn. So okay. I've lived in between to like Bushwick, Greenpoint, East Williamsburg. I gotcha.
0: So one thing that I, I said to to, uh, to Charlie on his episode is part of the appeal for me with Yumi Zuma is you guys have this harmony of female and, and male vocals, and I'm an absolute sucker for that combo. Um do you guys do? Do you guys do any cover songs, where you and Christy are both uh, doing the, the the harmony section?
1: We don't cover songs. We just cover entire albums. You know, <laughs> we we've covered the entirety of Oasis. what's the story? Morning Glory. Really? Yeah. Okay. There was this um, There was a thing called Turntable Kitchen a few years ago that did like got artists to cover a whole record and they press it on vinyl. Um, so we did Oasis was story morning glory. Um, and it's now a super expensive record on discogs, uh, which m- makes me annoyed that I never got one or I never organized. actually. Oh no. But, um, yeah. What a record. Um, do I sing on that? Probably somewhere. You know, the, the me singing on stuff was kind of a later addition to Yumi museum, there were like little bits here and there. Like yeah. the Bray, for instance, I sing in the end. But you know, I think that truth of consequences and Willowbank, or or even like EP three, yeah, that was sort of the genesis of like the dual vocals. It's kind of hypnotizing, huh?
0: I love it. Yeah, I like that's that's my sweet spot. I lo- I love the 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 combo of of uh, male and female parts. So. I, w- I was just going to say, so, um, so if you, if you don't have any cover songs like that, so would you ever think of doing something like islands in the stream, you know, from Kenny Rogers, Dolly Parton, would you do, uh, I would
1: do, what's that song? Don't go break in my heart.
0: Oh yeah. Elton, Elton, Elton John. And well, who was it? Kiki, Wayne. D. Kiki, Kiki D. Yeah.
1: Oh, and you know what? Linking it back to the beginning of the podcast, Elton John, "Candle in the Wind." What a beautiful moment for Princess Diana.
0: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a recommendation for for a uh, great male female song that you yeah, could totally co- you could totally do some some funky stuff with. Do you know the song "Guilty" by Barbara Streisand with Barry Gibb?
1: Uh I, I can't name you a single Barbara Streisand song, so no.
0: Alright, I'm gonna send you a YouTube clip afterwards.
1: And I will be Barbara Streisand. Is Barbara Streisand she's also an actor, right? Yes. Yeah, and she's like is she like in a Woody Allen movie
2: or something? Mm. I don't think she's ever been in a Woody Allen movie. She has not think she's done anything recently.
0: No. Not Maybe not for a it. long time. Not for a long time. She's Barbara. I mean she's she's icon of her own
1: yeah well sign me up i'm keen to hear it always exploring how to um do cover songs to appease people like you
0: there you go go. (laughs) (laughs) so so uh you mentioned earlier today that you were you were working so you you working on some new material
1: uh i was doing my taxes
0: oh okay
1: (laughs) (laughs) we all got this extension huh but i know me and I know it'll be, like, July 14th, and I'll be like, ah. Um, right. But do you know what? I can say it on the podcast. We just finished doing um, – we re-recorded every song on Truth or Consequences as a totally different uh, version to the whole record. So oh, wow. We just we took the vocal a and just okay. wrote new songs under the whole thing, and they're, they're like, wildly different. Um, so that was our quarantine activity, actually. So it took, like – four or five weeks and they just got finished mixing okay. so yeah excited about that so now that that's off the plate yeah
0: yeah, and keep working on the next record so is that going to be pressed into vinyl as well because I got the Coke bottle green uh, version
1: oh yes oh yes it will be um, okay it'll be pressed on the uh, finest virgin 180 gram vinyl actually don't hold me to that I don't know if it will be happening. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right what else we want to say because like i said i i feel like i uh i asked all the the yumi zuma questions what's the 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 strangest interview question that you've ever been 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 asked you or you or any of the other members because i know you guys have done lots of press over the years yeah i'm trying to think
1: um Do you know, I mean, it's actually kind of rare that you get, like, a weird question. It's like, I can't remember the specifics of it, but there was um, a question that was, like, clearly about another band. Uh, I can't remember what it was, but, uh, I mean, the strangest interview we ever did was, like, in Portland, Oregon. It was this combination of weed being legal, so we all, like, went and ate these, like, Salted caramel things that just like knocked us for six, and like this person being a terrible interviewer that was like totally nonsensical and just formless, and then there being like this massive pile of magnetic sand on a table, and this okay. interview just felt like it just like went on forever and ever, and this guy was jumping around, you know, questions. I just remember it being really strange, and it still haunts me that one day, you know, like this is like 2015 or something, that out of nowhere, that that. Um,
0: it's going to resurface.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I was. remember driving um, back from the venue and getting like a little bit lost. So I pulled over uh, outside like a bar. I'm just like sitting there, like looking at my f- phone, and this guy just jumps in the back and like looks at me and just goes, "Hey, what's up?" And then sits down. And I'm like, turn around. And I'm like, uh, "Can I help you?" He's like, "Oh shit, this isn't my Uber." <laughs> <laughs> which i thought was pretty funny um but yeah you know no no weird questions you know nothing um i think somebody asked us if we were religious once which i don't think was like not this weird to be religious you know each to their own um i just think it was strange that someone got that vibe from you yeah humor, you know
0: yeah that that's almost that almost feels as though the interviewer just didn't like do any research on you or, or didn't listen to any of your songs or just, I
1: just mentioned like peering over to his questions and it just says, Christian question mark.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Worthy shot. And what it really meant to say was lead singer's name is Christy." Christy.
1: Yes, Christy. Yeah. (laughs)
0: yeah all right all right well um one last question we we throw this to all of our all of our guests so Toto's Africa good or bad song phenomenal song so speaking of stupid questions right
1: I I love that song I mean how do you like how do you not rate that song
0: Wayne your turn to explain
2: yeah I don't I don't like it I just I think it I just it's slick and it doesn't feel like it's about Africa. It just feels like a glossy pop song, and it gets too much credit.
1: Yeah. Do you know what? I haven't actually thought about it in, like, um, a lens of is it weird that it's I, – I, Yeah, what you know, actually, I'm with Wayne. I'm flip-flopping on this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now I'm
1: with Toto's Africa.
0: As, as soon as he said uh, soulless, that, that's what got you? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I happen to uh, have a soul myself, and (laughs) I'm drawn to things with soul.
0: Well, so based off of that, so we're we're getting ready to retire the question soon. I keep saying that, Wayne, and we haven't done it yet. Um, But we've been toying around with asking our guests what what their favorite Billy Joel song is or what their favorite Billy Joel era is.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: And now that you're in Brooklyn, um, you kind of have to like Billy Joel. That's kind of like – that's that's a whole New York thing.
1: The, the best, best Billy Joel era is that era when he – have you seen that video of him playing in like in Russia in like the 80s? Yeah. And, and yeah. they keep like putting floodlights on the audience. He's like, let me do my damn show. And he like smashes his piano. Like that. that's like peak Billy Joel.
0: That's uh what stormfront era, Wayne? Is that uh, right?
2: Yeah, it's I think it is right in there. Maybe it could be a little bit earlier, but it's that's the ballpark, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, so so we've got one vote for uh late 80s uh late 80s Billy Joel. Okay.
1: Definitely not like 1997 where he did that big like greatest hits. Billy Joel? Not that's not a good era,
0: Billy. Joel. No, no. Like
1: in the middle of the night. That song is not good. <laughs>
0: I've I've been on record saying there are no wrong answers except for "River of Dreams." River if of you dreams. say <laughs> if you say "River of Dreams," then um, that's where I just go. the
2: plug.
0: I'm pulling the plug. I'm like, what album did you pick? Oh, tell me your favorite, and we're done. So yeah.
1: Get out of here, Philly Joe.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, so Josh, tell us what record you chose to revisit for this episode. Blink-182's
1: 2003 Untitled Record,
0: which is also known as Blink-182. That's right. So what, what were some other records that you thought about?
1: Ah, you know, I thought about doing like the Strokes or something, but uh, something's probably already done there. You know, there's nothing being said about the Strokes. I thought about Joni Mitchell's Blue, but...
0: We've done blue.
1: We've done blue, you know, we, we haven't done the strokes though. We haven't yeah, we done, haven't done what? this is
2: it. I'd love you to know. do this is it.
1: It's actually called is the set. So I think, is this um, it? Sorry. <laughs> I think, I think, I think you can comment on it. You need to get the name, right. That's what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, I, I have been dying to talk about Blink-182's 2003 untitled for a long time. So okay. did, it wasn't even a question for me, you know, if you'd push me, I could have picked some other records. Um, but I think this is a particularly interesting record for a few reasons.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you hear the extensive list that Charlie gave us?
1: <laughs> uh, no, but I can, uh, imagine cool. that
0: it was <laughs> L- lots of early two thousands, New York sound on that list. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. So, and, uh, somebody on Twitter kind of chimed in and maybe it was you guys who, who, who tweeted about the episode where you're like, um, yeah, he's kind of stuck in this early 2000s (laughs) timeframe. So
1: I think for, I think for Charlie and I, you know, like we both born in 1990, we born like 48 hours apart. Okay. I, you know, when we were like 13, 14 and just, starting to figure out that being in bands was something that we wanted to do. All of those bands reigned supreme, you know, like, um, those were like the cool bands, like, you know, Interpol and the Strokes and Kings of the Leon, the Arcan Monkeys and stuff. Um, something like blink One Eight Two was a little bit earlier than that for me. And it was informed a lot more by my, my older sister who was, in a grindcore band and had a love of pop punk as well as like heavier stuff you know so uh i feel like my first like introduction to the blending of like heavy music and like really hooky music was blink 182 and particularly this record you know does that make sense like it's like there's a really like heaviness to the to the arrangements of the guitars and the bass and the drums, but then it's so catchy. It's like insanely catchy, and like I think that that's a motif of um, you know that guy Jerry Finn, who was like the mastermind behind pop punk. Do you guys know about this guy?
0: Yes, yes. So, so yeah. he's actually they they actually kind of considered Jerry as like the the fourth member of of Blink, yeah. um, and and he produced. He produced, what, uh, three or four of their records?
1: Yeah, and like yeah. Green Day Records and Rancid. Um, yeah. Like, what else? Like, Alcohol and Trio, I think, which is kind of awkward now. Um, the Offspring, <laughs> Some 41, like, all that sort of stuff. Like, And I remember reading something with him where he was like, you know, I just remember going into studios with these bands and being like, okay, well, if the vocals aren't coming in like 20 seconds, like this one, you know, like really had that pop mentality, which I thought was kind of like, yeah, um, yeah interesting. But, you know, like those Blink-182 songs across their catalogue, when they're catchy, it's like Max Martin level of hookiness. It's It's kind of unreal considering like how delinquent those three people
0: seem to be. Right, right. All right, um, so so bio info, You already mentioned this is self-titled. This was the fifth studio album. So I I thought that's untitled. Untitled, yeah. And and I thought that I thought that this was maybe their third record. So I was I was kind of surprised by that. Uh, came out in November of two thousand three. This was uh, put on uh, put out by by Geffen Records. Which you know, if you're on Geffen, that's kind of a big deal. They're going to promote you, and uh, they definitely promoted this record. You you even sent us a link to. This is what I'm talking about, where uh, you sent us a link to the MTV
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: album release, whatever they called it, Extravaganza. You know where they essentially MTV did kind of a documentary. They they captured them while they're going through the creative process. They rented a house for a while. Um, then they moved it like- to.
1: You you know, like, there's also some weird stuff of, like, that you kind of forget when you're watching that that you're reminded of, like, how big they were. Like, they're, like, taking private planes to do one-off shows in Canada. Do you know what I
0: mean? Right,
1: Blink-182 were gigantic at this point. You know what I mean? Like, they were, which is kind of wild. It's like, you think about the Billboard Top 40 today, and it's, like, hip-hop dominates it and, like, you know, that sort of pop, hip-hop stuff. You know, like, when was the last time you heard a guitar on the radio? I sound so old, mm. but I mean it. you know, no, it's not seriously. Like, <laughs> it's not like a sting sample or something. Um, but, yeah, that documentary is crazy, the MTV one, because there's something really strange about Blink-182 that, like, they really have their heart on their sleeves in such a juvenile way that it feels, like, intoxicatingly... Authentic and earnest, and also just like I don't know how to phrase it. Like it's it's kind of like they're trapped in like being fifteen. These three people,
0: right? You know what I mean? Right.
1: It's yeah. It's it's wild.
0: Was it? I don't even know how to phrase this. Was this the record that essentially broke them up? Because. Because I, they decided I, that they were going to go in different directions instead of just being channeling their 15-year-old and singing about, you know, farts or whatever they were singing about in some of the records or, you know, that kind of deal. I think,
2: I think in a lot of ways, uh, the Boxcar Racer album broke them up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
3: And
2: you could
1: hear, like, you know, I wrote some notes here on the on- some some of the songs on the record and like you can hear boxcar racer in there. Yes. A lot in this.
2: Room. Oh, and angels and airwaves too.
1: Yeah, totally. You know, I think it was like, I saw something with Tom DeLong and he was saying that, you know, they were so huge and like Turing got to a point where it was like, he would have to go away from his kids and then he'd come back and he said, it's all like, you know, fish tacos on the beach and hanging out uh, with your kids who, that's all you want to do, and then all of a sudden you have to go on tour again. And at a certain point, you're like, "But wait, I don't have to do this. Like, I've got millions of dollars. I've totally eclipsed any sort of projection that you would ever have had of Blink One Eighty Two in the early nineties. Right. Um, and I think that Mark is kind of like the Mick Fleetwood of <laughs> Blink One Eighty Two. You know, that's just like the show will go on no matter what. You know, um, like like. Who really gets rid of if you're a three piece, right? Right. Not only are you a three piece, you share the vocals with the guitarist. And, you know, one day you're like, well, you know, he's gone, but the show must go on. No, nah, mate. It's done. It's done. It's cooked. Yeah. It's cooked.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think I think a lot of people have the same opinion of bare naked ladies as well. When you you know you 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 lose one of your big vocalists and it's like really you're going to go on okay I
1: okay. think I think that like after you listen to the uh, you know that one bare naked lady song um, at the end of it you another one of their songs starts playing and you go really you're going to go on <laughs> like that wasn't <laughs> enough
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly should we, should we go track by track you guys ready to do it. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So as a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record?
2: Uh well, you put fourteen on the score sheet.
0: Yeah, so so I kind of threw you for a loop. So technically, I guess there's 15 songs, but I decided to combine an interlude song with the song that was associated with it. Um, maybe I shouldn't have done that, but that's what I did. Uh we'll talk about that when we get there. Um so that means our top song is going to get 14 points. Nick's favorite, 13 points on down to lowest score of one. Let's kick it off. You guys feeling it? I'm I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. So this was the, the lead single. It was a success. Uh, number two on the modern rock tracks. Number 15 in the UK singles chart. Um, the one thing that I think was funny from that uh, MTV documentary that we watched was uh, Mark even said, so we got two great songs now. Now we just need to record a bunch of shit and throw together the rest of the album and we're golden. <laughs> um so is this one of, is this one of the two great songs because i couldn't tell which which two songs he was talking about
2: oh i in my yeah i think it is
0: this is a
1: great tune yeah. you know and i mean what here here's one of the best things about blink 182 no band opens records as well as this band does you know, is it Enigma of the State that opens with that bound that like massive guitar riff? This literally starts with Travis Barker drumming and someone, God knows who, going, "Let's get ready for action." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's if if there was any sort of like intro of what you're about to be into for a Blink 182 album, that's
2: perfect. Very yeah.
0: soon, yeah. yeah, it's
2: a great way to start.
0: So my score is much lower than your guys's. And I struggled with this because it was as low as my two at one point this week. Wow. Really? Yeah. Cause I, I got to tell you, there are some times where uh, Tom's vocals really annoy the crap out of me and him, his, 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 I'm feeling this. Are you saying
1: that your main complaint with the song is Tom DeLong's relentless feeling it like over and over throughout the song?
0: Absolutely. I am. I'm throwing the gauntlet down.
1: You know, fair enough. But on the other hand, it's a great song and you are categorically wrong. And <laughs> what was the, is it like the alternative music charts, whatever the hell that is, disagrees with you too. But, you know, I really love the the breakdown of the, um, you know, where Mark's vocal comes in. the We fell short this time. And the ending yeah. of it, that a by God.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree that this is a, a great song. It's a great way to start. And I love that it uses that, that, that kind of what they'd become known for is, you know, switching off between the singers, but musically it's super dense. Like I, most of it's vocal, but there's a lot of, feels like some of the guitars might be beefed up a little bit, but I love also the structure of the song. If you, if you look at it, the uh, the verse that Tom sings is like the dirty part of sex, the, the, the the want to take her clothes off you know nasty part teen you know sex and then the ver- or the choruses that Mark sings are like the sensitive you know what is it Uh, fate fell short this time your smile fades in the summer he's like the the lovey dovey yeah kind of side of it so it's a great song and in more than just sound
0: all right so I'm so I'm wrong apparently according yes. to Josh um, okay, right. and me. I want and, to be on
2: record. It's exciting okay. with him on that.
0: that. That's that's cool. All right, let's get some scores then. So, Wayne. A 13. And then Josh. Oh, hang on. I got to refer to my. Um,
1: I went with 11.
0: All right. This is my six. Six. All right. Yeah. All right. Next song. Can you Obvious. Sense of revenge? Are you leaving me here with the taste of the air? get us started on obvious what do you like about this song uh
1: i feel like this is like one of the most boxcar racer songs on the record you know like the the density of those guitars just sort of feel like
0: i mean it's heavy man um so are you going on record saying you like boxcar racer
1: um i like the one good song on the boxcar racer okay album, which I think is the first song, which sort of does sound like a poor man's obvious, but like, you know, I really love the verses and the production and this is quite cool. You know, there's like that big kind of filter sweep thing, Um, big anthemic chorus. Yeah. You know, the bit that's like,
0: yeah. Yeah, and... I guess my, my big gripe with this is I didn't feel like there were a whole lot of lyrics to it. Whereas the previous song, there were a lot of lyrics that, you know, I felt like that was a, a a built up song and obvious, obvious kind of felt more of a, like we've got this really great um, hook for, for the guitars, but I don't have a whole lot of lyrics to go with it. Cause they, they're, they're essentially repeating the, the, the chorus, what, like four to five times at the end of the song.
1: You know, some people would say though, that the less uh, Blink-182 lyrics in a song is
3: better. better. <laughs> 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 it's some
1: of their earlier catalogs. So I would, uh, I would caution you from uh, that being your main gripe, but yeah, you know, I mean, this is, the, this is the other thing I do want to point out. Like, Going through and ranking songs in a Blink-182 record is kind of like a zero-sum game anyway. But if you have to start picking things out, yeah, sure. Not enough lyrics. Some would say too obvious.
0: There you okay, go. Right there. All right. Um, all right. This is my five. Josh, what's your score?
1: I went with a 10 on this. I think
0: it's yep. pretty high up there for me. Okay. And then Wayne?
2: Oh, five. I thought, I guess in a way it sounded, like he said, Boxcar Racer. It sounded a little heavier. And so I, I took points off because it didn't, it didn't remind me enough of Blink-182. Okay. Yeah,
0: fair J- enough.
1: Just side anecdote about Boxcar Racer. Apparently the reason that they started that band was because Blink were not being active for the summer or whatever, and like Tom's Along was so desperate to play Warped Tour. Which, which I, there's something kind of beautiful about that. That like in Tom DeLong's world, not being able to play Warp Tour was enough of a reason to start a whole band, record a whole album, do all the photos, all that stuff. Got to get to Warp Tour, man.
0: That's that. That's <laughs> Did great. Did
1: you guys ever dream
2: Warp Tour? <laughs> uh, they didn't start till after I was too old to be involved in something like that.
0: Not 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 my not my wheelhouse. <laughs> I family. love
2: most of the bands. Yeah, I love the bands that play at Warped. I just, I don't, I, I don't, I just couldn't do the crowd.
0: Did you, did you, uh, did you venture out to the Warp tour? No, I didn't. There was this kid in my uh,
1: hometown in New Zealand who went and sold disposable cameras at um, the Warp tour, and then when he came back, he had a Thursday tattoo. Remember that band Thursday?
2: Oh yeah, yes. yeah. we had the drummer on.
0: Yeah, we oh, just really? had yeah, we just had Tucker Tucker on uh, the drummer for Thursday a couple weeks ago.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thursday with Dank, um, but yeah, that's a useless anecdote about someone whose <laughs> name I can't remember. <laughs>
0: uh, that's all right. All right. Next song is "I Miss You."
4: Creeping on so haunting every time And as I scared I counted The webs from all the spiders Catching things and eating their insides Like indecision to call you And hear your voice of treason Will you come home and stop this pain tonight Stop this pain tonight Don't waste your time on me You're all-
0: I mean, come on. Come on. This was a big song. This was number one alternative songs. Uh, number 42 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. UK singles chart number eight. Um, this was everywhere, I felt like. I felt like you couldn't turn the radio on um, when this was a single and not hear this song. It was on the pop charts. It was on the rock charts. Like It was everywhere. And... Um, yeah. Wayne, Wayne, tell me why you like, why you like, I miss you.
2: Well, cause you know, I was, and I was reading the Wikipedia page and it kept talking about how much more mature and ultimately that's, I think they miss sometimes. Sometimes I think that's just because they cut out fart jokes. It doesn't necessarily make you more mature, but this time they actually, uh, they they're playing, you know, they throw in a little homage cause this has a definite goth feel with that dark piano and, but yet, it's still Blink One Eighty Two. Um, I would have. Li- this is the song I would have liked to have heard Robert Smith do something on because I think it's, I think it's the best song on this record.
0: Okay, you are going to hate me then. In a the moment, uh, well, Josh, uh, w- what do you like about this song? I mean, can you name another song ever that is so
1: recognizable by the first like two seconds of a drum beat? You know, I think this shows the genius that is Travis Barker, you know, he's just a phenomenal drummer. Just unreal. Yeah.
0: No argument from us.
1: And just the way that, you know, that, that, that sort of drum rolly thing really, you know, like really hits you like straight away. You know what that is. um, but also the production in this song, I think, is, is really beautiful. The string arrangement's great. You know, the last section of the song, um, where there's that piano melody that starts playing the, you know, the vocal melody. Yeah, I think it is. It's, look, put it this way. It's, it's Cellos and, and that sort of instrumentation is very far from um, I want to beep a dog in the ass from there, um, you know, a few people do it. Right, right. And, and I think that that makes me, um, yeah, makes me appreciate the song more, knowing how far they came from. But, okay, so, you know, defining song of the uh, OOs, but not good enough to someone in the room. Please elaborate.
0: Yeah, it, it's Tom DeLonge, man. It's just, <laughs> his it, when his vocals come in, it's just, I I, I don't like it. And... um. I, I shared on the, the, the old social media this week about um, a comedic bit from a comedian by the name of Whitmer, Whitmer Thomas. I heard him on an episode of uh, Pete Holmes's podcast, You Made It Weird, and he has a whole bit about how... Ridiculous! Tom DeLonge's vocals are on this, <laughs> and and I just can't. I can't get over it. I just I've never liked this song. There are some songs that that I feel like his his vocals, um, the 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 whininess of his vocals works. I just I I didn't like it, and part of the reason is what you just said, Josh. That they they I feel like took a big step forward with throwing in a lot of extra production stuff, not just being this, this three part, you know, garage pseudo punk band that they, they emerged as a band. And then this is the song that they put out as, as one of the singles. And I just, I didn't like it. I still don't like it. I'm still going on record saying, yeah, I don't like this song.
1: Well, if you want to go from not liking the song to absolutely hating it, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you should uh, see them butcher it live over the however i mean it's the other thing that we haven't even touched on is how awful this band were live like (laughs) yes (laughs) very very bad but uh you know there's also on youtube a 10-hour loop of just tom's verse
0: oh really uh, yeah you know you could dive into that please don't ever let me listen to that
1: you know, I am going to sneak it upon you, and all of a sudden, you are going to be in the back of a
0: van, and then we're going to be blasting it until I am like. And, and then all of a sudden, it leads to violence, right?
1: Well, you know, I would ah, not. I segue. I, I just want, I, I, just want the record to show here. I do not support violence um, <laughs> in any way, shape, and form. Um, however, I did give it a nine. Give
0: it Well, w- did we get did we get scores for I miss you? I don't think we got scored.
1: Oh, shit. Sorry. Um, yep. Let's let's roll them out.
0: All right. Wayne.
2: Uh, 14. I thought they took something. I thought they paid tribute to something with and still at the heart sounded like themselves. I love like ever since the first time I heard that that spider part, it instantly made me think of Lullaby by the Cure.
0: Um. Well, mm. they were exp- they were uh, inspired by the love cats. <laughs> yeah. Josh, what's your score? I miss
1: you. I went in at thirteen, and as I was saying, you know, when I think about the dynamic between you two, Wayne has sort of got this uh, Michael Barbara sort of New York Times vibe to him. I'd like, i like, <laughs> I'd like that you come
2: in with the
0: sort of
1: yeah. the deeper, meaningful sort of stuff.
2: Yeah,
0: that's that's all I got. That, that no, that's not all it's- you got. Come on.
2: Oh, no, I mean, I just mean, that's my, that is definitely my role. And I, and I embrace it. Like I, I, I want to be that guy, the color guy.
0: Yeah. He even told me the other day, he's like, I want to be that guy that all of the, all of our guests go, wow, Wayne, I never thought of that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of it that way. I was supposed to be, I just told you that in confidence. I was supposed to be.
0: <laughs> well, I can edit it out if you really want me to. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. This is my score is three.
1: you are insane yeah have you heard some of the songs on this record
3: (laughs) i know
0: i know i know i know my apologies all right next song is violence
4: Channels, by her feet, lay you slowly drown, lay still as you fall asleep.
0: Going back to what you were saying, uh, Boxcar box car racer. That's that's my only note on this one, because I felt like I w- this is totally a boxcar racer song.
2: I, I was waiting for Jonathan Davis to start screaming right yeah. out of the intro.
1: I don't know who that is. Oh, he's, he's, he's the lead singer honest. for
0: Corn. Korn. Oh, shit.
2: It's um, got that big bassy thing that they did, and it got a lot heavier than I, I could say, than I want a Blink-8 182 album to get.
1: The song does get a bit trippy as well. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's a bit well, but um, it's got some pretty gnarly Travis Barker drumming on it, which I feel like Travis Barker's drumming is like the uh, chicken soup of Blink One Eighty Two. Do you know what I mean? Just when you're at a point where you're like, "Why am I listening to this? What what choices have I made in my day, right. in my life, to be listening to this absurd music?" And then Travis Barker comes in, you're like, "Oh, there is musical quality to it." Actually, side note: the um the drummer in Yumi Zuma, Olivia, who is a phenomenal drummer, her boyfriend is a few years older than me and her, and she was played in the band that my sister played in high school. And okay. he's an amazing drummer as well. And whenever he has you know sort of a few drinks, he just goes on this like Travis Barker being the most underrated drummer of all time rant. And he's like a total jazz nerd. So I've been in many conversations with people being like. And when you take out the seventh of the eighth or whatever jazz people talk about and they're like, you know, <laughs> little berets, and then he's like, Travis Barker is a phenomenal drummer. So uh, even drummers say it. That's what I'm saying. I know is it's he, undisputed here, but
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, is he is he saying that because you don't hear his name, or is he saying that because people diss on him?
1: I mean, look, I feel like if you are in Blink 102 with some of the absurd songs they have, I mean, let alone Enema of the State, for Christ's sake! You are going to be forever defending yourself as a serious anything, let sure. alone a drummer. Sure. So probably a bit of that. Okay. For violence, I've... let's let's have it. Let's have it. How did how did we get on it?
0: Um, I I gave it a four, Wayne.
2: I gave it a three.
0: And then Josh. I gave it a nine. I okay. actually kind of like that one. I actually had this as high as my eight at some point, but I just started moving around, uh, moving around some scores. So I didn't hate it. Yeah. So so next one is uh, so I combined the whole Stockholm Syndrome interlude with Stockholm Syndrome, and um, I I I mostly did that because I don't want to play a sound clip for the <laughs> for the interlude. I'm only going to say one thing about that. That's Joanne Wally Kilmer. Um, It's awful. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Um, All right, Stockholm Syndrome.
1: comes in at one for me. I'm sorry. The inter, You know, the fact that you combine the two,
0: that interlabel <laughs> is just god awful. That killed your score?
2: Yeah, I gave yeah. it a four because of, yeah, but if it would have been, if they would have been separated, yes, I, I couldn't agree more.
0: Okay. I Because once you get actually get to Stockholm Syndrome, I actually like lots of moments of that song. In fact, uh, Mark Mark actually calls that his favorite song from Blink One Eighty Two. Did you guys know that? No I didn't. Yeah, know, but I wouldn't that. I wouldn't trust anything that Mark says. <laughs> 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 yeah, he kicked out the other. It, it's already been established you're a Tom fan because I've yeah. already offended you on the Tom stuff. So, uh, I I get that. All right. Uh,
1: on the I, guess um, I, on
2: the,
0: I was going to say on the uh, interlude, all my notes said was.
1: Sounds like bad fourteen-year-old poetry, like in class when you have to pretend to write wartime poetry. Yes,
0: yes, well, But did
2: you, did you guys? I guess that those are actual letters from his that his grandpa wrote in World War II back home to his grandmother. Why but, did you bring that um, up now? Why <laughs> did you let us dig a hole? <laughs> I, I tried, <laughs> and then I then I got all polite and let you go ahead of me, and I guess I could have saved you there if I'd have known, but what ultimately bothers me about that is, is that doesn't, if Stockholm syndrome is when you sympathize with your captor, captor. Now in the song, it's about a bad relationship where I can see it feeling like a hostage situation. And clearly if she's your, or they're your partner, they're going to, you're, they're going to have some sympathy for you. But reading your grandfather's World War II back home letters to your grandma doesn't have anything to do with that. I mean, and to, it, doesn't, it yeah. doesn't even make any sense. Like, I get it. They're trying to be more mature, but stay in your lane. That's not a mature that those three are ever going to come to.
1: Also, you know, like, not to shit on Mark's, um, you know, grandfather fought <laughs> the Second World War, but it's like not everyone's letters home are good. do you know what i
0: mean like that's that's true so so my score is a seven so mark's grandpa got your back
1: you know um someone had to win the bloody war and it wasn't going to be the commonwealth was it because no no, (laughs) no no all
0: right uh next song is down And this was the third single off the record. Um, U.S. Modern Rock charts number ten. U.K. Singles Chart number twenty-four. Um, I think I like this song a little more than you guys did. Uh, I thought I thought it was catchy and um, not over overly uh, pop punk. I don't know. I like I like this song. I dig it.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's like one of those ones that really walks that fine line of like these lyrics are really relatable when you're 13, but you know, these guys are in their thirties at this point. So my notes on this, I see that the snare sort of sounds like Slipknot. Do you remember? Was it Slipknot that like they would hit the keg?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. You know, I feel like this one's middle of the road. I kind of like the lyrics in this one though.
0: Yes. I, I like the lyrics too. In fact, uh, going back to our reference of the Cure, I felt like these were more Cure Cure type lyrics.
2: Uh, and I I I thought they were a little over the top, I guess. But I did get the I definitely I felt like it had a familiarity um, and had a kind of a, a sound that somewhat resembled "I Miss You" because that's the song that I thought that it rem- it, it was reminding me of. Okay. I, I had it middle of the pack too. It's one that, you know, I I I I didn't mind listening to it, but I didn't find right. it to be as the top.
0: I got you. This is my ten, Josh. What's your score?
1: It was an eight.
0: All right, and then Wayne. A six. Okay, leads us to fallen inner Loop, and I'm not going to even pause long enough because I'm not going to give this a sound clip.
1: <laughs> my notes on this was does this one sound so much better because the other interlude was so bad
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah uh this is my this is my definite one i just i don't know it felt like it felt like they wrote this song to be used in like a um a, a sequence montage for like ocean's 12
1: <laughs> it's got kind of a white rastava vibe
0: yeah Mm
1: -hmm. you know um so very much warp tour
0: see again i don't i've never gone to a warp tour so i wouldn't know
1: so there's a thing called scar and it's not the cool scar that you were thinking about like the madness it's like a very bad weird scar that somehow Uh, has mohawks and rancid and that's what i got from this
0: gotcha okay so uh lowest score for me wayne
2: um uh, lowest score this sounds like give the give some love to the drummer this is where i start to, i i later on will think that they all that they do know the end is near because i feel like they each got a little bit something that maybe the band as a whole wouldn't have because the lack of tom or mark's voice in this because that's somebody else completely when there is lyrics makes me think that they weren't on board and that this was a travis barker deal also, I don't like how they named it because there's no song called "The Fallen," and right. ultimately, the lyrics make it feel like it should be attached to the end of the previous song, and then it would be the down outrolude or whatever. And even then, I would have been it would have it would have been chalked up to unnecessary, but it feels like something that Travis Barker pushed his way onto the.
0: Is is that Travis on the vocals?
2: No, it's somebody of his.
0: Oh, a buddy of his. Okay.
1: There's a real insane part of that MTV documentary where like Travis Barker is about to go off on tour with one of his like various other bands he plays with. And he just like lays so many different drum parts down and he just keeps repeating over and over. Like, this is so creative. I feel so creative in a way that's like, you know, when someone's like, this is so fun, I'm having so much fun. That you're like, "Mm." (laughs) normally when people are having a lot of fun, they don't, You know, tell you how much fun they're having. So I feel like maybe Drabel was like, Do you know what? You guys are immature 38 year olds, and if I can't have my weird interlude here, I'm out. Mm. To which Mark said, Fine. Well, we've got to include this weird
0: letter from my grandfather. (laughs) They're
1: like, Fine.
0: It's all coming together now. Thank you for putting that out there in the universe, Josh. Appreciate that. Uh, did I get? Did I get your score? Uh, my score. Um, yes, yeah. it came in at four. Okay. All right. Four.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> this, is, this is the interlude, right? We're talking about.
0: Yeah. 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 fallen interlude. We're we're all having moments where we just are going to scoff at one another. All right, um, <laughs> next song is "Go." And I found no info about this being a single, but I could have sworn that I heard this on the radio a lot.
2: Yeah, off of Dude Ranch, it was called Damn It. Or off of Enema, the state, it was Rage uh, Again.
1: <laughs> yeah, do you know what? This is why I put this down as a low score. And also, some solidarity uh, with you, I find Tom's voice a bit too annoying, this one. Okay. It's the go, go. It's too much, too much. So yeah. f- for me, it's coming in It's
0: three. Okay. Wow. All right. Wayne, what do you, what do you got?
2: Uh, I, like I say, I, even though I, I somewhat mockingly mentioned those other songs, I, I, that's what I want, I guess, ultimately from blink One Eighty Two, And I am much more of a, a Mark Hoppus, uh, lead vocal guy.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, the, this was the my drumming
2: th- on this is like I say, sp- the, 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 no one. I have never heard anybody criticize Travis Barker's drumming. I I have some issues with his personality. I don't think he's. I'm not going to say any more than that, just in case somehow he he hears this. But uh, he reminds me a lot of Tommy Lee. They're both great drummers, but they're not. They're they're not a lot more, and uh, but it, the drumming yeah. on this is great. All okay.
0: right, this is my 13. I like this. Whoa. Song. And and maybe it's because I didn't listen to all those other songs a lot that Wayne you mentioned, so I wasn't tired of this formula and so I liked it.
1: If this so, is the thirteen, you should go listen to like damn it from the
0: first record. Yeah. I probably should. I probably should. I I played I played that that first record uh quite a bit when I was an assistant manager at a record store. So yeah.
1: Um, side note, back to your children and TikTok. There was a TikTok I saw recently of Tom DeLong's kids making you know that there's a TikTok meme that goes, famous relative check. I don't know how down you guys are with TikTok. Um, um, not <laughs> at all. Not I at all. Nothing. Tom DeLonge. On sleep TikTok is um one of the biggest cultural revolutions I've uh seen in my lifetime. Yeah. I mean, it's like up there with YouTube. It's like kind of unreal. It's like a whole new median of You know, what's that dumb saying? Well, not dumb saying. I'm sure it's a very um, respected cultural theorist. The median is the message. I feel like TikTok embodies that more than anything else.
0: Yeah, and this is where I go, so I'm an old grumpy guy and get off my lawn with your TikTok. So, and this <laughs> is know. where
1: I go, I'm glad I have all that student loan debt so I can say things
0: like, <laughs> the meaning is the message. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, uh, next song is, somebody pronounce this for me.
2: Asthenia?
0: Athenia? Yeah, that's what I thought it was. Um, all right, Athenia. It also sounds like... Um, um, you know, like a weird clothing
1: brand... Trying to bring it like
4: oh, you,
1: you know, around this era of Blink 182, there was all these kind of weird, like heavy tattooed models, uh, you know, e- advertising yeah. clothes, that, like illicit clothing, I wanna say maybe was one of them. Anyway, I feel like this sounds like one of those dumb clothing brands in you know, of like a hundred and forty dollar hoodie in two thousand and three for well, the housing market crash. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the the only notes that I have on here is I know that there were a lot of comments about how the group had evolved and they were changing their sound a little bit. And this, this song definitely proves that I think in my, in, in, in my listens to this, um, is that a good or a bad thing for, for you guys that they were evolving their sound?
2: I didn't. Uh, this uh, this is one of the occasions where I thought it it worked. Like I don't always think that the that that you okay. can take the the three guys who ran naked through the streets for a video. I mean, they can. I get it. You got kids now, and you're in your 30s, so you should stop doing that. But don't you know? Don't let's not have a you know an award winning actress read your grandfather's war letters back home because that's not who you are. It's not who you'll right. ever be. But this one, like I say, I had read something that it was about. Uh, a, a space an astronaut floating lo- alone in space, which I, I, they didn't do it as well as David Bowie, but um, I still like the idea. And then I, I still ultimately, when I listened to it, thought that it was more of a metaphor than an actual relaying of a story. You but know I-
1: how um, you know how old boys that fought in the Second World War all love to, you know, like something bad happens that they see with the youth and they say, oh, I didn't fight the Second World War for this. Do you think that Mark's <laughs> grandfather went to see them live in, like, uh, 1996 and they play that song, you know, I want a dog in the – I'm doing some hand gestures here. And he <laughs> said, I didn't fight in the Second World War for this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I do. I think we've lost – I think we've lost
2: <laughs> – I didn't even notice this time because sometimes he, rarely is he he too quiet, but every once in a while he'll let somebody else speak, but he just disappeared all completely.
0: And this better be the last time I hit record. Um, And we're back.
1: And just to remind you all that um, use the promo code records
0: revisited forward slash honey for 15%
1: off your first order. (laughs)
0: <laughs> All right, did we did we get some scores for us? Athenia, Athenia,
1: no, but I had a seven.
0: All right, Wayne, eleven, and this is my twelve, and that leads us to fourth single off the record, and this is always. And going back to that, that MTV thing that we were, we keep uh, referring back to, um, when they say, hey, what's that 80s song called? Um, I think they were talking about this song, which probably explains my score a little bit.
1: All right, let's have it. Let's
0: have right. it. This is my top score.
1: This is my really? top score. This is my top score.
0: This, this is my top song. I, I like <laughs> this. I don't know. It's... It's uh, it's it's poppy. It's not overly aggressive. It's uh, it's a catchy song, so
1: I like it. Yeah, the song is fantastic. This is the best song on the record for me. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like a really cool production on it. That's like a little bit futuristic, but at the same time, super pastiche She, um, yeah, it's kind of got like that new romantic sort of um. Synth sort of thing to it. Yeah. Also great um video featuring Sophie Monk, who was like an Australian heartthrob sort of uh pop star. There
0: you go. I, I did not watch the video, so can't 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 tell you anything about that. Um Wayne, did 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 you say your score on this? Um I gave it a ten. Like I say, it reminds me of Adam's song
2: or maybe Stay Together for the Kids, but that's okay. It's a blink one eighty two song.
0: Yeah, uh, and spoiler alert: this is uh, this is our top song uh, collectively. So, say lovey. Next song is "Easy Target." <laughs> One thing that I wanted to, to, I'm looking at the lyrics and I have crossed out from that's what she wanted. I crossed it out and I put I'm feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: I'm going in heads first on this. I gave this a two. This song sucks. Uh,
0: you know, and I th- i think I gave it a higher score because I like the drumming in it. I want nothing to do with the song. You know, I don't even <laughs> want to comment on it.
2: I gave it a higher score because it sounds like bad religion. And so I wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they reference mommy little monster, which is one of my favorite songs by one of my favorite bands, social D and then the music sounds like, uh, California's burning by bad religion. So I thought maybe I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. And they're trying to tip their hat to a couple of SoCal punk legends. All right. Who's Holly. I don't know, but she's a, she, <laughs> she's here and then she's one more time somewhere else.
0: Yeah, next song as well. I I was curious on who Holly was. Um, Josh, did you Yeah, I just want to reiterate that that song sucks. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Wayne, what's your score?
2: I gave it a nine.
0: Yeah, I'm matching your nine. And then, Josh, what was your score besides sucks? You know what?
1: Originally, I gave it a two, but I am going to show some love to our veterans, and I'm going to reverse my Stockholm interlude. That's going to be number two, and this is going to be number one. <laughs> Let me shout out to the troops. And it is Memorial Day soon. Wait, I yes. know this. Um, but that's nothing to do with the old timers. Um, but yeah, uh, it just plots to us. Could you guys imagine it's like the USO show in like, 1944 and like, I don't know, some godforsaken part of bombed out Europe that they're in? And it's Blink 182.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> introduced
1: by Bob Hope.
0: That, there you go, there you go.
1: Imagine if you guys had a large contingent of listeners who um, had fought in the Second World War. <laughs> I wonder how many veterans of the Second World War in America are left. World War Two veterans. Okay, take some guesses real quick here. Sorry, I know we've all got to go to bed, but
0: um, and and how many um, of them actually listen to podcasts?
1: Exactly. Yeah. But apparently, it's three hundred thousand. Wow, really? Are alive? Wow. This is gnarly, though. Two hundred and forty-five World War II veterans die a day. Wow. Um, sorry to go down that sort of morbid. <laughs> <note>. <laughs> it,
2: got it got weird. Yeah, <laughs> quick.
0: All right, uh, let's 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 keep going. This is all of this.
1: I mean, what an insane feature on this,
3: right? Yeah,
0: y- yeah. A song with Robert Smith, and my my notes were, man, I really wanted this to be my top song, but it's not. Yeah, and and Wikipedia and uh, said this, and I don't know how much of it is truth. So you know, we'll 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 just count it up for internet truth that Mark Hoppus used to dress up like. Robert Smith in high school even wore lipstick at times and in honor of the cure he he bought a Fender six-string bass which was the same model that was used for the song Push from Head on the Door. There you go. Okay. So and it's got to be true cuz it was on Wikipedia. It's got to be, <laughs> be true as a result. Um and and let me just throw this out there one more time. Who's Holly?
1: Yeah, you know, I don't think we are going to establish uh, who Holly is, but okay. I think that the uh, secret lies somewhere in the south of France, circa nineteen
0: forty-four. <laughs> the, beach, the beaches of Normandy. Beaches it sounds like Normandy. a French girl's name. Yeah, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna call the narrator of the Stockholm Syndrome interlude Holly. Do you know what's weird about this song
1: um, in the making documentary? They keep referring to a song. Uh, as they're making that record as the Cure song. And it's never sort of established. They never actually reference Robert Smith's inclusion uh, on the song. But, I mean, you'd hope he was featuring on the Cure song. Um, Or maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm feeling this was the Cure song.
0: Yeah. Um, No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Wayne, what do you have to say about all of this?
2: You know what? I I love Robert Smith, I'm a huge Cure fan, um, but there's something about it that feels first take. Like they got like I know that they they got a hold of him. They said they wanted him to sing on this song. They sent him the lyrics. I'm sure they probably sent him some sort of an audio recording so he knew the the melody of it. But if you listen to it, because Cure songs, Robert Smith has this this underlying like devastation almost. This uh, this underlying emotion in his in his, what he sings that is lacking here. And so while I love his voice, um, I just, it it ultimately sounded a lot like a cure demo.
0: Okay. I can see that. Yeah. I, I think that there's one additional song that we haven't talked about that could also be construed as a quote unquote cure song. Cause I feel like the last song on the record could be any song on side B of disintegration,
1: yeah, I can see that.
0: So, the I don't know,
1: the, yeah, yeah, but like, I mean, like, let's be honest, Robert Smith was probably it's we've got to think about this in the context of 2003, and I feel like that's in a weird period where the cure, are like, I don't know, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, older people on the call, but is that <laughs> at a weird point where like the cure, are like, Sort of too young to be a legacy band just yet, but sort of too old to be anything other than you know. And and got you know, it's, it's fantastic they got through the other end and now they are a legacy band.
0: Right. But that weird period. I could I could totally see that I could totally see that you know they had two albums in a row that did not do very well. Wild was it called Wild Moose Mood Swings. Yeah, what else was there? wild bootswings and then and blood blood flowers. Blood flowers. Ne- and 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 neither neither record did real well. Blood Flowers, I've gone back to a couple times. It's not a bad record, but mild wild mood swings disappointing. And so yeah, I can I can totally see Josh that Robert Smith would agree to come on a Blink one eighty two record because they're big. They would get them back in kind of the zeitgeist of things. I could I could totally see that.
1: A friend of mine is uh, the cure's monitor engineer to his okay. friend, and said that Robert Smith is the nicest person he's ever met.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard the same thing. Apparently
1: he's just like the love that, like just loves being alive and is just so stoked that his life panned out exactly the way it did. So yeah. you know maybe there's another version of the story where Robert Smith's in the car and he's, you know, being like Oh, I love that! All the Small Things song. Yeah. yeah what's my What's my so age again? What's my
2: age yeah. again? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, when whenever we get him on the podcast, Wayne, that that's going to be one of the questions we'll throw out to him. Uh, I don't. So.
2: I don't. Yeah, I don't know that i i I don't know that I'd be comfortable. I just i I'm a huge fan, and I don't know that I'd, I'd just be. Remember that one time uh, when you sang that song about the pictures? You know what?
0: You know what? I've I've had a couple of my man crushes on the podcast. You you can get through it. I know you can get through it. All right. Let's get some scores. Um, Like I said, I wanted this to be my top song, but it's my 11. Wayne? Eight. And then Josh?
1: 12 just because you know respect to Robert Smith Um, much like the veterans of
0: the second world war (laughs) uh,
2: (laughs) Our, our boys overseas
0: next song is here's your letter And I so wanted them to put after here's your letter comma Elise (laughs) comma Holly or comma Holly. Sure. Um, And I even wrote down here and I'm really disappointed in you, Wayne, because I said this is going to be Wayne's top song because it has lots of F words in it.
2: I know, but he's one. there's one band that it doesn't translate quite as well. It doesn't. I don't know. It's like when your are you you know, your five-year-old nephew says it, it's like, you know, it just doesn't fit. Um, I'm surprised you didn't like say go is a much more punk rock song or it, I just, I don't know this one. I, I prefer Mark Hoppus. I've already stated that this, this reminds me of, of damn it and rock show and what's my age again. And yeah. uh, I mean, it's not as good as those songs, but it's, you know, it, it's 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 excellent filler material.
0: Okay, Josh, what do you got on uh, Here's your letter.
1: Uh, you know, I sort of alluded to this early on in the podcast, but with with someone with ADHD, I will say that even all of this was a song that I discovered ten years after this record first coming out because I never sort of made it past always, oh, always. Okay, so. Yeah, I mean this song's fine. It's track 13 for a reason, let's be honest. Like no one thought it was that good, right? So it's track 13. It's fine. You know, it's got it's kind of got that like blink-182 rock showy type vibe to it, but yeah, you know Ain't no um Ain't no I miss you.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh this is my 8. Josh what you got? Uh, I came in at a six. And then Wayne? Seven. All right.
1: Well, Let's fix him.
0: Let's wrap this bad boy up. Here's I'm Lost Without You. And uh, this is the longest song on the record. Part, part of the why I, I said uh, I could totally see this as, uh, you know, a disintegration side B song. And I kind of I, I wonder if if when they took some demos to Robert Smith, I wonder if this was one of the demos where they said, hey, this is this is the kind of stuff that we're doing now. We're not doing, damn it! We're not doing. What's my <laughs> yeah, age yeah. again? We've moved on, baby. I'm. Um, I'm just wondering if this this was brought to him. Um, and I'm okay with the length of it. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Um, it's just middle of the road for me, though.
1: Yeah, it's definitely um last song for a reason, and that kind of weird bit where it kind of goes into the drum solo at the end and the, the feedbacks going. <sighs> yeah yeah I mean that, who cares that, at this point right like who
0: cares <laughs> that's what I'm saying wayne what do you got on on uh I'm lost uh, that, without you yeah
2: there's not enough material here to go six minutes and there's no reason to have a 45 second drum solo that does I mean this whole thing of this is this melancholy you know you know very very cure depressed kind of and then to just throw in this this drum outro that doesn't doesn't even match the the feel of the song Um, this is the song that made me think that they all had something that they they forced onto the record against the other two's will
0: yeah maybe
2: and this was tom DeLong's.
0: could be all right this is my deuce wayne uh same and then josh five all right hey Um, but
1: you know before we go any further and just when you thought that you probably couldn't hate Tom DeLong any more than you do at this point, <laughs> are you aware of um, the email uh, on the 26th of October 2015 from Tom DeLong to John Podesta, who, if you remember anything about WikiLeaks and Hillary Clinton's uh, 2016 yeah. campaign, there's this leaked email um, about Tom DeLong, Tom DeLong emailing John Podesta. Trying to get some more declassified shit on aliens because he's obsessed with aliens. It's, the email is sort of the ramblings of a crazy person. Yeah, interesting. Um, but yeah, you know, just um, I imagine that Mark Hoppus's grandfather probably took one look at Julian <laughs> Assange and was like, "I didn't fight in the Second World War for this
0: this man," you know. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know how to wrap it up after. <laughs> all right. All right. This is, uh, this is usually the part where I go, uh, did we miss anything? Did we cover everything?
2: I don't think anybody's gone as in depth on the untitled 2003 release by blink 182 than we, than we have just done.
1: No,
0: we covered it. Yeah.
1: And we do, you know, we all want to make it clear all of us, myself, you guys as well, that we do, uh, fully respect people's decision to keep war, you know, like letters that your grandparents have written, all that sort of stuff. Not trying to throw any shade on that. I just don't know if it (laughs) deserves to be on multi-platinum selling record, unless it's really good poetry. That's all my points I have to say on that. But um, yeah, look, over, overarchingly, I will say that this record is a fascinating look at the excess of, the record industry in the early 2000s, you know, this is kind of like the last hurrah before the bottom totally falls out. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that sort of weird moment in time where pop punky guitar music really had just such a wide reach,
0: which feels like such a bygone era. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This, this definitely feels like a time capsule for sure. Yeah. All right, I already told you what our top score was gonna be, so always was number one. Any guesses on our second favorite? I miss you um i I tank that a little bit for you guys <laughs> that was that was tight for third, so our number two song was actually all of this
1: yeah, you know you oh. can't you can't beat down on um Bobby Smith, huh.
0: No. All right. So, um, since we were all over the place, so, uh, always number one, all of this, number two, three-way tie for through. So feeling this, I miss you. And also, oh, you th- just dropped out thing- the Sorry, no. I'm messing with you. You haven't dropped out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I hate you. I hate you.
2: Oh, that was
1: awesome. <laughs> that was too good.
0: Sorry, that was too good. And I ruined your outro. Now we're here for another five minutes. And- no, you punked. You punked me. <laughs> Josh, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Yeah, thanks. For yes, having absolutely. Me.
0: This was fun. This was fun, despite all of my technical issues on my Hang end. Oh, wait, so. so you
1: guys are in your fifties? Is yeah. that true?
0: That is, yep.
1: I'm in, You know, I turned 30 this year. What were your guys' 30s like? Let's leave it on that <sighs> note.
2: <sighs> well, well, I had kids so early that I kind of actually was finding my i i i had a really good hype, and I had a good paying job, and a, a new girlfriend, and uh, I bought a house and had a you know a son. So I, I I always say that. The, the Clinton years were my favorite years. I, I, I still vote for Bill Clinton every four years.
1: <laughs> well, you know, conversely, um, you know, in my 30s, I don't have a job due to a global uh, plague.
0: Yeah.
1: So, <laughs> who knows what's <laughs> going to happen? But, um, yeah, shout out to your 50s. You know, I, I hear that your 50s are your new um, new 10s just because life expectancy is going on forever these days. So you guys are about 13, 14, and I'm still um, a twinkle in someone's eye. But with that, uh, we we'll say good evening, good night. We've got to yes. say our outro bit. I'm hijacking let's, this
0: all. Yeah, let's do let's, <laughs> let's, let's, it. Let's Let's do the outro pit, so um, so so usually usually I ask all of our guests uh, who do you know that I don't know that should should come on the podcast, which is why uh, why you're on this one oh. Char- 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 Charlie said, uh, you need to have Josh come on
1: um, do I but do I have any obligation to have a connection to this person? Or can it be someone totally <laughs> unobtainable? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, the question is usually, who do you know that I don't oh, who know? Who do
1: I know, who do I know that you yeah. don't know?
0: Um, I mean, there's a
1: ton of people I know that you don't know. But um, is it weird, shameless self-promotion if I just keep promoting my band members? Do it.
3: Yeah, do absolutely.
1: It. I reckon you should have Olivia on, our drummer. She's great. Okay. And, um, All right you know, maybe you could have a small segment carved out for her boyfriends that talk about Travis Barker.
0: There you go. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll just, you know, I'll, I'll put an asterisk next to Records Revisited Podcast and the asterisk will say uh, unofficial podcast of Yumi Zuma.
1: Yeah, you know, I've always wanted a podcast and, I mean, I hope you can take this joke in good heart, but um, considering the technical... Um, around with this episode. I'm not I'm too sure you would be running my podcast
0: <laughs> absolutely not nope totally get that alright uh, so as a reminder you can find all of our old, old episodes go to Records Revisited Podcast Wayne Man's the Instagram page I'm on the Facebook and the Twitter accounts uh, just go find us So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. I would tell you to go to a live show, but you know the drill right now. Go listen to one of your favorite musicians on one of the streamings. Uh, Go and buy a record. Go buy a T-shirt of the band. Go support your your favorite musicians. We are Records Revisited, and we are out.
1: Out. Out. I came in early there.
2: but Uh, It's never – yeah. We we can't see each other, so it's never together.